we are not going to get two firsts and a second for Matt Stafford. I really don't think we're going to get anything. I just think we're going to be super hello. disappointed. We're I back, don't think baby. we're getting a first Welcome round. Welcome to episode point. two of the Bentley Show. I am your host, Scout Bentley. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for the insane response to episode one. The The listenership, the viewership was, was higher than I ever imagined for a first episode. And... Um, I was I was blown away by the amount of people that reached out to me and, and, and talked to me about it and it was it was unreal. So thank you so much. It means the world to me and I'm so happy to be doing this. I'm so had to be happy. That's the word to be back in in your in your ears and in your eyes. I guess if you're watching on YouTube, um, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped and we're on like everything. By the way, we're on Spotify. Obviously, this is through Podbean. We're on Apple Podcasts now. We're on YouTube. Uh, we are in the process of getting on Google um, Podcasts. I think that's just what it's called. So we're on pretty much anywhere you can imagine. Um, and and like I said, the the response to, to the first episode was more than I ever could have imagined. So thank you so much for listening. Even if you are just listening, just to hear me talk about how stupid I am. And, and look... If you think I'm afraid to do that, you clearly don't know me. Because I, I, I know I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? I'm not going to apologize for being an idiot. Been an idiot for 22 years. Not new. Ain't nothing changed but the date. You know what I mean? So, so I, 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 but I understand that, that my take on, on my, first, uh, my first ever episode <laughs> did, did not age well. One of my first hot takes. Um, did not age super well. So, uh, if you're here just to watch that, uh, down in the in the bio or description or whatever, it has all the all the times you can just hop straight to the Lions thing and just hear me talk about how stupid I am. Uh, but remember, before you go, before your uh, your your trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers, just know I'm very happy to be wrong. I was ecstatic. It was it was an incredible evening already, and. Uh, that was icing on the cake there. I was I was so, so happy. So uh, thank you for coming back. Like I said, thanks for listening. I am Scout Bentley, as stated earlier. The order of events. We have no more housekeeping stuff. None, none of that stuff in the first one that took like 10 minutes to get into the to the news here. We're, we're kicking right into it. For the order, we're going to go with the same as the first episode. I'm not sure whether this is permanent yet or if I'm going to move it around and just the biggest news might always be last or something. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But for now, we're just going to do the same as we did the first episode. So the Tigers will be first, Pistons second, the Wings third, and the Detroit Football Lions will be fourth. You know, you can't really do that with any other sport. Like, I can't say the Detroit Basketball Pistons, can I? I don't think so. That doesn't sound really, like, great. Also, I'm in, like, all blue. I look like one of those, like, first day of high school, like, hype beasts that wears, like, all, you know, highlighter neon yellow all by Nike just to look like cool. I don't know, but I'm in like all blue. I got, I had to wear the nasty Nate Jersey. I had to wear the hard hat wearing Nate Burleson Jersey today though. Too, too big of a day. My favorite line ever too big of a day to, to not rock, to not rock nasty Nate. Um, but let's get right into it. The Detroit Tigers. Since we last spoke, the Tigers really haven't done anything because their front office is asleep at the wheel. That being said, uh, they did throw us a little bit of a bone, a little bit of a little bone. They threw us a bone. Sure, whatever. Um, it's fine. Keep talking. So, <laughs> the Detroit Tigers, the uh, the MLB.com released their annual top 100 prospects in baseball list. Uh, now, for those who may, maybe are more casual baseball fans, and when I say people freak out, I don't mean that as like an insult. I realize that. That I am a mega nerd, and that very few people are are as deep into any of these sports, specifically baseball, you know, as much as me. I'm not. When I say more casual fan, I'm not like some people take that as a major offense, and I'm like, okay, like I, like I didn't mean it like that. Anyway, for those who maybe are less aware of how uh, the baseball prospect system works, so first off, there's a ton of different websites. Okay. So what I'm about to tell you is is not lined up with, like, Baseball America is a really big one, um, Baseball Prospectus. There's a lot. So um, 
base MLB.com releases theirs every year, and that's the one that all the MLB Twitter accounts and stuff, when they say, like, hey, we have the number one prospect in baseball, they're talking about it in regards to, obviously, their own system because they're part of the MLB, and it's MLB.com's list. So, this is MLB.com, their ranking. And what they do is they rank every organization gets their top 30 prospects ranked, and then the overall sport gets the top 100 prospects in baseball ranked, okay? So, top 100 was released, and if you have five prospects in the top 100 in baseball, you are usually going to be considered one of the best farm systems, one of the best minor league prospect pools in all of baseball, okay? That's just how it works. That's a lot, okay? We have five in the top 25 in baseball. Now, for those, again, for those who are way more into this prospect ranking thing, you realize how ridiculous that is as soon as it comes out of my mouth. That's absurd. For those who are not as familiar, I will say this. This is the first time in the history of the sport, or at least since MLB.com started doing these rankings, that there has ever been a team with five prospects in the top 25 prospects in baseball. Usually if you have one prospect in the top 25, that dude has a very high ceiling and you're banking a lot of your future success off that player. We have five in the top 25. It's pretty exciting. But also at the same time, it's a, it's a, it's a wake-up call. Because you come to realize that the only reason we have this top-heavy farm system and we'll get into my my usage of, of the phrase top-heavy here in a second. The only reason that it's so top-heavy and has so much talent at the top of it is because we've been one of the... We're in the middle of one of the worst five-year stretches in the history of baseball. Awesome. Love it. So great. Like, what's my point? I guess my point is that my 15-year-old little sister that barely knows what the stitching on a baseball looks like and who still thinks Austin Jackson is a tiger could build one of the best farm systems in baseball if, if she were to take over a team and lose 114 games a year and get the number one overall pick every year. Okay? That's my point. It's not impressive. This is... This is not impressive from a management standpoint, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, I'm excited. I'm so excited for the future of this team. Um, I'm so excited for these five guys specifically. I'll go over you know each of them and where they rank in the, in the 25 in a second. But we can't act like Alavila did anything. He, It's not hard to lose the most games in the sport every year. Two of these five guys were the number one overall pick in their draft. Four of the five were in the top ten. Three of the five were in the top five. The only exception to this rule is Tarek Skubal, who comes in at rank 24. Tarek Skubal was a seventh? Seventh or a ninth round pick? One of those two. I probably should know that. Um, Either a seventh or a ninth round pick. Regardless, late in the draft. Okay? Or later in the draft, I should say. Um, and Scott Boris, who runs his own camp because he's Scott Boris and he's the best in the world at his job. Uh, for those who don't know, Scott Boris is the best player agent, I would say, in sports, but specifically, definitely in baseball. Um, but it, he has his own scouts, like how like how like the Tigers have their own scouts. You know what I mean? That go and scout college and minor league talent stuff. He has his own scouts and his own like like camp that he comes to like decide if he wants to make a player his client. That's how like deep into the game he is, okay? So, basically, uh, this is a real story. Scott Boris begged Alavila to take him in the 7th slash 9th. I think it was 9th, but I don't want to sound like an idiot if it was the 7th. It's one of those two. Begged him to take him. Scooble was a Tommy John... Uh, receiver I don't know I worded that really weirdly he got Tommy John while he was in college okay um which is a huge red flag but he's a lefty so you know if he was a righty he might that that might have been you know he might have been one of those like 150th round picks you hear about okay but he was a lefty still got some consideration was okay his last year at Washington um 
And Scott Boris, you know, the exact quote from Alavila is he was almost on his hands and knees begging Alavila to take Scooble. And he said it would be the best pick he ever made. And it's looking like that might be true, value-wise. Uh, he comes in, like I said, as the 24th-ranked prospect in baseball and will probably make the opening day roster. And and in double-A, in the minors, was was setting, like, strikeout per nine, K per nine, that stat. He was, like, setting records. Like, at one point, he almost had, like, a 17 K per nine. Like, he, he was dominating the minor league. So... That's that one is the only exception to this to this rant this rule. That's a, that's a smart pick. That's a good pick. But even that, if Scott Boris isn't obsessed with him, he might not be a Tiger. And I give credit where credits due. I like the Grossman signing. Okay, that's really the end of the list. But like, I'm not I'm not one of those people that that. Just rips on Alavila just to rip on him, and like, like if, I want the team to do well. Again, I keep repeating myself. I would love to to see this team succeed. So I would love to be wrong when I say some of this stuff. But like, it after five years of being one of the worst products in the history of baseball, at you don't get credit from me for that, man. You don't. I'm not gonna sit up here and be like, damn, what what a. You're so good at your job. You're, you you completely revamped the farm system. We went from the worst farm system in baseball to one of the three best. And it's all due to you. No. It's because you had a top five pick every single year and the number one overall pick for half of those years. You don't get credit for me for that, man. You don't. And there are Avila defenders still, which is mind-boggling to me. But there are. And I'm also, Chris Illich is not off the hook. This is almost just as much his fault, maybe more. Uh, you know, if, if we were flies on the wall and could hear the conversations we have, they have, we'd probably be able to decide whose fault it is the most, I guess. But I don't really care whose fault it is the most. This isn't, you know, a playground in elementary school. My point is, Chris Illich is the third richest owner in the sport. Third richest. In the top 10 richest owners in sports, including the NFL. Okay? And our big free agency acquisitions this year are Grossman, who I'm pretty sure is 5 mil a year, AAV. And our starting catcher this year is worth $2 million a year. That is egregious. That's backup salaries. And those guys are two, not only are they both starters, they are two of our best players. We are horrible. Sorry for your ears. Gets me riled up. We are horrible and they refuse to spend money. And I am begging, begging, begging. Scott Boris style. Begging this front office to get one of the big shortstops next year. I've said it before. I've said it a lot. And I've said it again. I'll say it again. If we don't get one of the big five shortstops in next year's market, Lindor will probably be extended. Okay? But with the Cohen stuff, I don't know what's happening over there. He'll probably still get extended. Uh, so we can maybe remove him. Between Story, Seeger, Correa, and Baez, you get one of them. Or this rebuild is a flop. I will no longer believe that this team will be competitive again if you don't get one of those four. Why am I so adamant? A, at no point ever have we seen arguably the top five. Again, if Lindor makes it to the free agents market, then it's the top five. He probably won't. Very suddenly do we see four of the top five best players at a position all hit the free agent market at once. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen in any sport. Nonetheless, a premier position like shortstop that's so valuable to a team. Okay? So, for starters, that just doesn't happen. You need to take advantage of it. You have the money. You're the third richest owner in baseball. Again, I keep reiterating. Okay? Then, on top of that, okay, we have the fact that look at the system. We have no major league shortstop. Nico Goodrum is not an everyday shortstop. Willie Castro is a big topic of conversation in Tigers Twitter this week. 
he is not an everyday starting shortstop. He's a horrible defender, even if the bat translates, which it also doesn't really look like it will. And and that's the end of the list. That's pretty, Paredes does not have close to the range. Um, that's like it. Like we have no shortstops at the major league level that are everyday starting shortstops for competitive teams, and we definitely don't at the minor league level. We have no shortstop prospects coming up through this system, man. We have no shortstops in the system. And you have, you're spending no money. You have like the fifth lowest payroll in baseball, including the Miggy deal. Without it, you would set records. You'd have a lower payroll than the Rays. You would set records for low payroll if it wasn't for Miguel Cabrera's contract. You are paying no one. You have to spend money. And you have to get one of those shortstops or else I am so out on this rebuild, man. Uh, for real. I'll still watch every game because I'm an idiot. And, I, and I'll still love this team. But as far as my belief of this team ever being competitive during this era, this whatever, era of Tigers baseball that we're about to head into when all these kids start coming up, I'm out, man. If we don't get one of the shortstops, I'm out. And I don't mean to scare people. But that's where my head's at, man. Okay. Next up. The D- oh, also baseball. Sorry. Um, the players rejected the proposal. It looks like the owner's offer was like a week less of games. Like, like 154, I think it was. 154, 156 games with expanded postseason and universal DH. I, how, I, I understand Playoff baseball revenue is way more money than regular season, so that's why the owners want it, and that's why Manfred's proposing it because he's just the puppet for the owners and he literally works for them. I I would hate the expanded playoffs so much, man. It would take me a, a long time to like get used to that. I, I would really hate it. I would really hate it. Um, Universal DH should be a thing, should have been a thing years ago. Uh, and... I will after last you know you know what I will I will gladly take 154 games if if it means we're warming back up to 162 but if we have the expanded postseason um, odds are pretty good I would say that uh, the 154 or whatever um, that would probably be there to stay because they would need more time to have said expanded playoffs so the players rejected it we'll see what happens. Um, it's coming more and more likely that baseball will not start when baseball actually should start or is planning on starting currently. It's looking like it'll be a, a, a late, mid-late April thing, more than like a last week of March thing like it usually is. So we'll see. Okay, we'll see. Um, I have my hand on the pulse there pretty well, so I will obviously... Uh, I'd imagine most of you do too, but in the case you don't... Um, any updates that happen will definitely be talked about because obviously, you know, s- structure of the sport directly affects the Tigers, obviously. Okay. Next up, the Detroit Pistons. I, I wanted to say Detroit Basketball Pistons. I really don't think that's a thing except for football. Uh, we've played two games since last time we talked. For starters, Jeremy Grant's an all-star. All-star voting's open. Please go vote, 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 vote. Vote for Jeremy Grant. You All you have to do is tweet about it. You just use, like, hashtag all-star and at him on Twitter, I think. I don't know, man. You can also just do it online the old-fashioned way if that's what you'd rather do. But it is open, and you can vote, and he's an all-star, and if he doesn't make it, we riot, okay? We've played two games. We looked incredible in one and horrible in the other. So do you, like, do you want the good news or the bad news first kind of scenario? Let's just go chronologically because there's some stuff to talk about off the court with the Warriors game. So let's just go Lakers first. This is the best basketball game we've played all year. Uh, and it might stay that way. Based on how we looked in, in the Golden State game especially, that might be the best game we play all year. We beat the defending champs. I don't care that Anthony Davis wasn't playing. That's still such a good team. LeBron James was still on the court. And and really the, the bench of, and the depth of that team gets very overlooked. That's a very deep and, and good basketball team, okay, even without AD. And we are not good, so I really don't care, okay? It's best game we've played all year. Blake Griffin looked phenomenal. What do you have, 35? He had over 30. Um, 
fantastic. Fantastic game from Blake. Best he's looked all year. And again, with how horrible he looked in the Golden State game, might be the best he plays all year. That might be his best game of the season. But it kind of looked like return to 2018, you know, vintage Blake Griffin, which is beyond exciting. Um, anytime you see somebody like that turn back the clock and give you some vintage prime time, that's, that's always fun. Uh, Wayne Ellington stayed hot. Again, cooled off in the Golden State game because everyone sucked in that game. Uh, but... The better he does, the, the better our odds of getting, you know, a second-round pick or something nice for him at the deadline becomes. So go Wayne Ellington. Please stay in Fuego. He's been one of the best shooters. He, the stretch he is on is genuinely one of the best shooting stretches, like, in the history of the Pistons. And the Pistons, I know for the last decade they've been irrelevant. This is a top organiz- top 10, probably. Easily top 10, actually. Uh, you could argue, like, top 8-ish organization in the sport of basketball. I mean, this is a, this is a you know, some players have come through this franchise, and, and he is, uh, what I guess I'm not trying to, it's not like, it's not like this is, I don't know, like the Portland Trail, no, Portland, I don't want to disrespect Portland. They were actually pretty good back, and the Walton teams were pretty good. Brandon Roy's a, a GOAT. Um, I don't know, like the Sacramento Kings? No, they have some, they have some decent history too. I don't know. I can't think that quickly off the top of my head like that. But let's just say this. Okay, I'm going to go with a team that doesn't even exist anymore. This is not the Charlotte Bobcats. Okay? It's not like saying that. It, honestly, we'll stay in the city. It's not like it's not like this is the Lions. Okay? It's not like you can be like, damn, this is one of the best whatever stretches in franchise history, but you're talking about one of a, a joke franchise. The Pistons are very legit. Uh, one of the best franchises in the sport of basketball, okay? So, the fact that he's doing that well is, is unreal, and I really hope that we can get a, you know, I would love two seconds for him. I don't think that's realistic. I think we're probably just going to get one second rounder for him, and we'll just take, you know, the the highest offered second round pick, or lowest offered, depending on how you look at it. The best second rounder offered, that's what I'm trying to say. So, he stays in Fuego. Uh, again, he really cooled off in the Golden State game because everyone did. Um, but all around, that's one of the best games we've played all year. Jackson struggled. Seku really did not look great either, which kind of sucks. But Blake played so well, it kind of overlooked it. Uh, again, I preach patience with Seku. He's still so young. So young. He's 20, man. It's going to be all right. Um, and Isaiah Stewart, the love of my life. He's probably going to, if he stays on the team for a while, he's going to go down as one of my favorite Pistons ever. I can already tell. He just embodies Detroit basketball and embodies what I, like all my favorite players in history, like what kind of people they are. I I just know I'm going to love him. Okay. He struggled offensively, stayed hot on the boards. His effort is unreal. He's the man. I don't care that he didn't shoot that well. His field goal percentage as a center is really not great, but he's a rookie and he's learning and I still love him. He... It's like that meme of Ramsey when, like, he's yelling at an adult and he calls him, like, a stupid donkey. And then, like, the kid screws up and he hugs him and he goes, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. That's like me, like, like if anybody else on this team screws up, I'm, I'm furious and you're an idiot and you shouldn't deserve to be on my basketball team and I want you traded. And then if Isaiah Stewart screws up, it's like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, okay, Golden State. Not a lot to talk about on the court because we were horrible and got – we were almost losing by 40 at one point. It was really bad. We were not good, and they obliterated us. Um, the main talking point comes from off the court. Um, Rodney Magruder of all people, found himself in the center of controversy, okay? Um, this one's weird. Okay, so for those who, who who don't know, here's what happened. Pistons Warriors, they're blowing us out. Excuse me, they're blowing us out. Um, and Draymond Green, one of the biggest instigators in the sport of basketball, who has gotten in scuffles with like three-quarters of the NBA, uh, gets into a little scuffle with Rodney Magruder. Okay. Now, Rodney Magruder is a, is a solid bench player. 
not like he's not a role player. He's not really going to find his way into the rotation too much for a competitive team. He's a solid, you know, you're you're deep into a game. Your players, you know, the, the rotation is out the window. He's going to come on and give you some minutes and play solid bench warmer basketball. Okay, I'm not trying to disrespect the man. That's just his role in the NBA. For whatever reason, I don't know what he said to Draymond Green. So so they get into a little scuffle. Then after the game, Clay Thompson, who's like acting as like one of the interviewers and color commentator, not color commentator, but like one of the like guests in the booth for the game because he's out for the whole year, obviously, comes down from the booth and starts talking into a mic like it's a shout out at a WWE event. And he's like, who does Rodney Magruder think he is? Like this dude's trash. Uh, he thinks he's like some relevant player in the NBA. He's not. He's garbage. Who the f is this dude? First off, when did when did you turn into Conor McGregor and when did basketball turn into the UFC? This is not a. You're not calling someone out for a title shot. This is a. a you know, one of the worst records in the NBA is the team you're playing against. And you are the Golden State Warriors. You're one of the best dynasties in the history of basketball. Like, I don't know how he got under their skin this much. I don't get it. I, what did he say? Because then in the post game, Draymond Green at fuels the fire and says, you know, when did Rodney Magruder start acting tough? Why is everyone in the NBA tough these days? Everybody wants to be a tough guy. Like, I'm the tough guy, blah, 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 Draymond Green talk. What? Like, I really don't understand what he could have possibly said. I I don't understand. I would have loved to have been, like, the ref or, like, like at the scorer's table or just a fly in the arena and, and just know what he could have possibly said. Draymond Green has argued and gotten and kicked people in the balls and argued... And gotten in scuffles like that with literally half the league. Why did he take so much exception? And Clay, I love Clay Thompson. That's one of the like most shut up and do your job like nice guys, except for that little thing he had about LeBron in what was that 2016 finals. There is. I, I don't understand what he could. It's Rodney Magruder. What did he say? I would love to know what he said, man. I really would. It really intrigues me. I think I've thought about it a lot since the game ended. I, I think about it very often. What could he have possibly said? And so Magruder, you know, is Magruder. He he's not gonna go out there and fire back or whatever. Wayne Ellington, on the other hand, was not having it. And Wayne Ellington came out and and he really tried to drive home the 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 classy part of it how how not classy it was and and how you know the we have anybody in the nba is good at at good good at hoop man you're in the nba you're in the league like this dude's worked his whole his ass off his entire life to get to the league he's in the league why are we going after how many minutes he plays or, or what kind of player he is or what his role is on a team and he kept driving home the classness, classlessness. I might have just invented a word. No, I think that's a word. Class, classlessness. It sounds like a word. We're going to pretend it is. Of the Warriors organization. He kept driving it home, man. He kept talking about how how it, how it ridiculous it was, how not classy it was, um, and, and how you know embarrassed they should be for, for getting this riled up over, over somebody. And how, you know the personal attacks they took at him for no reason. And obviously we don't know what was said, but we're Pistons fans, so we're probably going to side with Wayne and, and Rodney uh, over Clay and Draymond, two very different uh, caliber of, of, of duos there. But again, it, it was a wild weekend. Um, I'm happy that that uh, Wayne really stood up for him. Wayne stood up for Rodney, and uh, I, you know people were on Pistons Twitter were like they should reschedule our next Warriors matchup and just reschedule it to Monday. We just want to see game two right away. We want to see it off the back-to-back. The Pistons do play the Nuggets tonight. If you're listening to this at any time, doesn't really matter before, during, or after the Nuggets game. 
Um, that has not happened in my as as of recording in my universe. That game has not happened yet, so obviously I cannot break it down. But that was the weekend for your Detroit Pistons. Um, weird thing, man. I, again, I would love to know what was said. Because uh, I, I want to know how Rodney Magruder ended up being like number one on Draymond Green's hit list, which has to be as long as like Santa's naughty list. Like that is that you know, the dude has a problem with half the NBA, and half the NBA has a problem with him. You know what I mean? Very very weird. Uh, I, I hope more comes out about it because I would love to be able to more definitively understand the situation and more definitively uh be on Magruder's side because I really want to be because that's I think it's awesome that a five like two to five minute a night player has Clay Thompson it has two Hall of Famers this rattled I love it Dwayne Wade I love it okay the Detroit hockey Red Wings again not a thing I might just make it a thing I might just say that between every single team from here on out should I do that just start making it a thing and see if it, I mean, you know, see if it catches on. See if I can get other people to start doing it. I think I might try. I think I might try. The Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Uh, six straight losses since we last spoke. Six straight losses. Uh, I don't remember if the Stars game had already happened last time we spoke or not. Uh, regardless, I don't think we talked about it because we were just kind of doing general overviews for the first episode. So, uh, yeah, six straight L's, two points in the last six games. We took two of them to OT. Um, this team's bad. You know, this team's bad. Uh, Burt has four goals in four games. Four goals in his last four games, I'm pretty sure. Um, hopefully he's healthy. It sounds like he's going to be fine. Uh, that was kind of scary for a little bit. We thought he would have had a serious injury. Sounds like he's going to be all right. Um, I want to get one thing out of the way. Grice is not a bad goalie. This defense is just cancerous. Like I said in the first episode, this defense is an embarrassment to defenses. Grice is not that bad between the pipes, man. He's really not. And and I would say he he's... Mm, He's looked good. It's hard to say that about a dude with like an 88 save percentage, but he's looked good. It's just his defense is so bad. So bad, bro. Oh my gosh. This defense is so bad. You watch... Oh, man. The penalty kill is horrible. The defense is horrible. The first line of offense is okay. First line of offense when it's our real first line is actually very good. I think that I think that's a top fifteen line in hockey, which sounds like a ridiculous take given the current state of the Detroit Red Wings. But I think if you have um, Larkin, Burt, and like an actually I want to be here and play hockey, Mantha, uh, I think that's a top fifteen line in hockey. We'll get to Mantha in a second. We already kind of talked about him earlier. Um, my point is. I, I don't need to see all this Grice slander. One of the goals was totally his fault in yesterday's game uh, against Florida. I'll totally give you that. This defense is so bad, though, man. Like, you almost have to, like, round up, like, 4%. <laughs> that might be a little much. Round up, like, 2 or 3%. 3 might even be a little... You get what I'm saying. You have to round up a little bit. Like 88 save percentage, but with this defense is really like a 90 and a half save percentage. You know what I mean? <coughs> I just think he's not nearly as bad as maybe the stats or the fact that he hasn't won a game here yet uh, indicate. I think it's just our defense is a joke. Um, Giovanni Smith is also my hero. I love him. And, and I understand that they have to... Send him down and send him back up because he's on the two-way deal and stuff. And if he was outrighted just permanently to here, uh, it would cost some some moolah that we are not willing to spread. And and it's way easier, you know, given given the money that it would cost us to make him a full-time player on the team. It's way easier just to send him on the taxi squad 
but like keep him in Detroit and then just be like, hey man, we're just gonna send you down and back up. It's not like he has to travel anywhere. It's not like he's going to like Grand Rapids every night and then has to drive. Like he just goes home, and then the next morning they call him like, hey, you're back on the team. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 really not a big deal. I I uh, I just really like the playing time he's been getting. I think he's been making the most out of it, man. Maybe more than anyone else. Like, of the prove-it players, obviously, like, the solidified, like, you're definitely going to be here players, um, that's a different story. But, like, of all the guys who you're kind of looking at, like, hey, man, you got to prove it if you want to stay, he might be making the most out of that than anybody, honestly. Uh, like, maybe Brome is up there, too. But, like, he's looked so good, man. Giovanni Smith has looked fantastic. Fantastic. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he is better than than quite a few players on this team. Nielsen specifically, but quite a few players on this team. He deserves the spot. It's just the way the contract's set up. And that's fine. Like I said, it doesn't really cost him or anyone else any like travel expenses or, or, or stress or anything. It's, it's whatever. It's a phone call, okay? But he's looked fantastic. He set up the Larkin goal beautifully last night. Um, I really like him, man. I like him a lot. I am, I am a huge fan. Um, he's one of my favorite players on the wings, in all honesty. And, um, I, I am ecstatic that, that he's getting this much playing time because, uh, you know, he's been a guy we've heard about for a little bit now. So I'm glad that he's finally getting as, as weird as it looks on, on the timeline, seeing, recalled, sent up, sent down, whatever, uh, every 12 hours. Um, he's getting consistent playing time, and that's awesome. I'm so happy for him, and I'm so happy he's making the most of it. He's had a couple of really nice passes, a really nice assist. He gets into the zone. He's pinning people up against the boards. The poke check, the poke check king. I mean, he's looking really nice, man. He's looking really nice. He's applying a lot of pressure, and... Um, He's setting people up, man. There's, there's, I can think of two goals off the top of my head that literally don't happen without him. Um, the Larkin one yesterday being being one of them. Like, he he looks really nice, man. He's applying pressure. Uh, he looks nice, man. I, I really like him a lot. Um, only other thing with the wings I have right now, we've already talked about at nauseum how bad the defense is, but. To be even more specific, Mark Stahl. Okay, I, I don't I don't mean to disrespect anyone's family, especially a hockey family like that. But I think it's bad when you watch someone play hockey, and you go, "Damn, I thought we got rid of Erickson. Why is he on the ice right now?" That's where I'm at with Mark Stahl, which is bad, like really bad. Anytime I watch you step on the ice and I have Erickson flashbacks, it's tough, man. He's really bad. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about Mantha's probably going to be a, a episode-ly. That doesn't make sense. It's, Something I talk about almost every episode until he he figures out what he's doing. Because, look, before the season started, I was so high on him. I thought I I thought he was a goal, not a goal, jeez, a point up game player. I really did. And like we talked about in episode one, he's he's been one of those guys that has kind of in and out, has his hot streaks, has his cold streaks, it always has. Um, a he he's healthy. He's not getting in stupid fights and breaking his hand and missing time because of that. And you'd think, after finally having a, a, a you know, knock on wood there, geez, um, this is not a this is not a situation where he's getting hurt, so we're not really sure what we're going to get out of him because he's hurt all the time and he's back and forth, whatever. He is getting consistent, damn near twenty minutes a night, pretty much always first line. Um, Hockey, opportunities, that barely made sense. You get what I'm saying. He's getting his opportunities, and he just he just looks 
and he's big. He's a big guy. So like, I don't want to. I don't want to make that a knock against him. I don't want to be like, damn, he looks so uninterested and like he doesn't really care just because he's a he's a big ass dude that maybe doesn't look like he's he's flying around the ice like some other guys just because he's a bigger guy. But like, man, it's hard not to. He the. Okay, the peak the peak of my frustration with Mantha was, I believe it was against the Stars. It was either the last game in the Stars series or the first game in the Panthers series. The games are all kind of blending together at this point. I think it was the Stars. Where, actually, it might, whatever. Someone will let me know. There's a breakaway for the opposing team. The Dallas, da, the the floor, the Florida slash Dallas team. I was trying to combine the two names. It doesn't work. There was a breakaway. First off, I'm pretty sure Mark Stahl was the only man back. Okay. Already, recipe for disaster. It was a two-on-one, and the only defender was Mark Stahl. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl stood there and did nothing. So... They find the crease one time for the one time. And all of a sudden, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, Anthony Mantha comes flying down the ice. And you're like, oh my gosh, is this going to be some great defensive play? Look at him. He, he's, he's trying. He cares. Look at him. He, he's like a superhero. He was in red and everything. It looks like Superman flying down the ice. And then he... Drills Bernier in that. Drills him. Obliterates him up. Like if the other team did that to him, it would have been a line fight instantly. He obliterates him between the pipes. He's on his back. He has to get pulled from the game. And the goal, it's a goal. Because we didn't have a goalie in that. Because Big Tony lit ours up like a firecracker on the 4th of July. That was the peak of my frustration with Big Tony, Mantha. And like I said, I thought he was going to be a point-of-game player. I really did. Um, I More and more takes just make me look like an idiot every day. And look... He had the nice goal last night. That's that's awesome. Again, it was kind of like the same as... It, both of his goals have kind of been like a, he's just been standing there. And like the puck has just kind of ended up on his stick and he's just kind of flicked it in. That happened with the first goal he had this year and this one. Um, but I'll take it. Uh, you know what? I uh, Obviously, I'll take it. Um, he's got so much potential. I'll end on this, okay? Then I promise we'll get to the Stafford stuff. Obviously, that's what everybody wants to talk about. He's got such a high ceiling, Mantha. He has such a high ceiling. I think he could be a point-of-game player. And most of those points coming from goals. He is, he is uber-talented, man. He might be the most talented player on the Red Wings when he's firing on all cylinders. Purely talent. Larkin's the captain. Larkin's the man you're building the team around. Absolutely no argument. When it comes to pure talent, Mantha, when he's feeling himself and on his A game, might be the most talented person on this team. And we've gotten this product out of him through two weeks of the season. Very frustrating. Very frustrating because we all know how good he could be and how good he can be. We've literally seen it frustrating man okay let's get to it let's get to it um your detroit football lions aka the matt stafford segment i've got a lot to say first off we are not going to get two firsts and a second for matt stafford i really don't think we're going to get anything i just think we're going to be super disappointed i don't think we're getting a first round pick for him keep pointing and laughing I understand my my fun take was uh, 
It was a tough one. Tough, tough pill to swallow there. Okay. Um, yeah. I said uh, that multiple first-rounders was egregious and stupid and that, honestly, any first-rounder except maybe the Colts was just not going to happen and we weren't getting a first for them. Um, and I thought we were going to get second-round picks for them. I thought we might have got multiple, but I thought we were going to get second-round picks. Um, the Detroit Football Lions have traded Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles, Angeles Rams for a first-round pick in 2022 and a first-round pick in 2023 and a third-round pick in 2021, um, along with Jared Goff. Um, okay. Again, got quite a bit, quite a bit to say here. Um, again, yes, obviously I was wrong. Ha ha ha. Let's get down to business. Okay. Initial reaction. Obviously, as you can imagine, I was ecstatic because I was expecting a second round pick. So the fact that we got two firsts and a third, I was, I was ecstatic. Uh, Like I said, I already was having a pretty good night and that was icing on the cake. Okay. Um, I was very happy, very happy. Uh, and, and you should be too. If you're looking at this thinking, damn, how should I feel about this trade? This is a phenomenal trade for the Detroit Lions. Phenomenal. Okay. Um, where do you want to start? We can talk about the other reported offers that we got. And if we should have taken any of those, the answer is no. Or... Okay, quickly, let's just talk about the fact that the only team Stafford didn't want to go to is the Patriots. Ha ha ha, fat Patricia, you're a loser, okay? We'll start with that. That makes me so happy. He's, he'll always be my quarterback, man. Like, he was already one of the most beloved athletes in the history of this city. And then he goes out with that. He goes out with a, you know what, Detroit? I'm never playing for that sad sack of loser ever again. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. I love you, Nine. That's 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 the way to go out, baby. That's the way to go out. Uh, so that's fun. Um, obviously, the Kershaw-Stafford thing is going to be talked about even more than it already was because now they both play for the same city. Um, if one of them goes to the other one's games, I don't even want to watch that game because it's all they're going to talk about the entire time. Um, okay. Okay, let's just start with golf. No, let's not. Because I think it makes more sense flow-wise to start with the other one. Okay? I go back and forth a lot on a lot of things. Okay? So, other possible returns. Uh, We did get offered quite a few first-rounders. So, again, that's where I'm wrong. Um, I will say this. I think that the reason that we got the offers we got was because, as weird as it sounds... Because of Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of people looked at Deshaun Watson and said, okay, well, I don't want to spend five first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson, so I'll give Detroit a call. And that's why our market was way bigger than I anticipated and way bigger than I thought it was. And that's, you know what? That's on me for not being able to read the market. That's totally on me and nobody else but myself. But that is... I think a huge factor, a huge factor in why the market was was a lot bigger than I anticipated. Straight up. Just because I think a lot of people that didn't want to spend big on Watson said, okay, well, Matt's, you know, we'll take nine. We'll just take nine instead. And that's why the market heated up as much as it did. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'll start with that. The only other offer that really... And, and there was a whole list um, of, of potential offers that, that had leaked out um, that were reportedly offered. First off, the Niners not having an official offer. I'm not sure if I even believe. That's pretty ridiculous to me. But let's just pretend it's true because we don't know what their actual offer was if there was one. So there's really no point talking about it. Niners didn't have a real offer. Uh, the Jets apparently called and hung up like immediately. Um, and then, you know, the Colts offered their first rounder, the Washington football team offered their first rounder, uh, 
The only other one that really, I think you could have made an argument for taking over the one we got uh, was the Panthers offer, which again, last episode one, I infamously said that the Panthers would not heat up the market enough to make it into first round pick territory. And that is again, where I completely misread the market. And it, like I said, no one else's fault but my own. That's just me being an idiot. And I think Watson did have a lot to do with that. Okay. That being said, they offered the eighth overall pick and then some few more back end picks. Um, and I guess Teddy may have, may not have been on the table, whatever. Um, not that important. Really. The big thing is eight. Eighth overall pick. There are some people saying, man, we could have had back-to-back top 10 picks. Um, yes, we could have. That being said, I really don't think it's a question. I, I think we got the best deal. If those are all real, and that, that list that came out of other offers we got is all real, there is no doubt in my mind we got the best offer for Matt Stafford. I think we, and I don't even think it's close, to be completely honest with you. I really don't. I don't think it's even close. I, excuse me, I, I, I really don't think it's close, man. I think we got by far the best offer on the table. You're talking about, this, this is kind of like, this is the example I'll use. You know that experiment they do with little kids where they put a marshmallow in front of like a fifth grader, probably a little younger, probably like a second grader. They're like, hey man, uh, you can either eat this right now and just have a marshmallow, which is dope, marshmallows are good, or you can wait 20 minutes and then you get two marshmallows. And then they leave the room and they set up a camera and they watch the kid like sweat over 20 minutes. And some of them just pop it in and go, screw it. I want my marshmallow. Uh, you know, and, and and most of them end up waiting, you know, and it's one of the first lessons they teach you about like patience, right? That's what this feels like to me in a weird way. Okay. I think the top 10 pick or not, and the Rams are going to be competitive. So neither of those first rounders are, are going to be insanely good first round picks I don't care two first round picks even if they're at 31 overall 32 overall whatever I'm taking the flexibility that comes with two firsts over one first and yes we would have had two in the same draft absolutely but we have the seven is not part of this we have seven regardless we could have held on to nine and got seven that's that's not Having back-to-back first is not like a, a whatever. Like, that's not a banner-hanging moment. Like, we have that pick anyway. We didn't acquire that pick. Okay? Two first-round picks I'm taking 10 times out of 10, man. The flexibility that comes with it is too good to pass up. You can, A, just have two first-rounders for the next two years, which is sweet and awesome and incredible and fantastic. And another adjective, okay? But, not but, and, I think and. We'll see who the sentence takes me. I think I want to go with and. And, definitely and. And, um, the flexibility that comes with it of, hey, if you really wanted to move up this year or move up next year or move up the next year, you have the flexibility to do that. You do not have that flexibility with just getting one first rounder. We now have five first round picks in the next three years. So if you're like, damn, I really wanted two top 10 picks this year. Well, guess what, man? If the front office agrees with you, they have the assets to do that. They have the assets to do that now because we have five first rounders in the next three years. It's not that black and white. You you can now take the, the 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 opportunities and the branches that grow, okay, to get philosophical on you. The branches that come in the directions and the roads that that come out of getting this deal are way more significant than than getting eight. Even if it is back to back and that looks cool on paper. Way more avenues, way more possibilities 
with getting two first-rounders. And you know what? They might not do anything. They might just eat it and just say, we're just going to take our picks, whatever they fall, and we're just going to have two first-rounders for the next two years. That's fine. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. The like, I I really stress that this deal is way better than just getting eight overall and then whatever other pieces had to be had to fall in to get it. I truly think that this is a a fantastic trade for us. We should be ecstatic, and I'm a I'm a very happy camper. I'm a very happy camper. Okay, now let's get into golf. Um. People care way too much about Jared Goff in this trade. And I don't know why. This, the reason we got Jared Goff was A, because whether you like it or not, we don't have a quarterback going into this year. I know we can draft one. We'll get into this in a minute. We can still draft one at seven, okay? It's fine. We don't have a QB, so we kind of needed one. But more importantly... It's just because Jared Goff's contract is one of the most egregious things in sports right now. And uh, we we just gave them all of Nine's contract, which is not as egregious. I'm not saying it is, but it's still a lot of money regardless. Um, so they're not going to hold on to two of... The reason that we were able to get two first-round picks is because we took Goff's contract. Okay. That's one of the reasons, not the reason. I don't want to make it sound like we just did this to take on salary. It's also because nine is nine. But one of the reasons we got that no other team offered two first-round picks and that we got two firsts is because we took on the egregious eyesore that is Jared Goff's contract, okay? So, Goff's future. People care way too much about it because people think just because we traded for Jared Goff that he's like, you know, oh, he's only 26. The Lions think that he's going to be the QB of the future. Not true. Not true. Jared Goff came as part of this deal because you trade contracts, not players, to quote Chris Castellani. And um, because even if we take a QB at seven this year, okay, my opinion, I think we take Fields if he falls to us. If Fields isn't there, I think I would rather us go defense at this point, being that, again, we have a QB now. Um, regardless of my opinion, regardless of your opinion, regardless of anyone's opinion on who you want to take at seven, uh, Jared Goff is now your quarterback for at least the next two years because con contractually, that doesn't sound like a word, um, contract-wise, he is worth way too much money to cut in the next two seasons. He will be our quarterback this year, or at least be on the team this year and next year. Absolutely. Okay? Guaranteed. After that, the guaranteed money goes away after 2022. The fully guaranteed ridiculous crap they gave him goes away after 2022, and his cap hit becomes actually really reasonable after 2022. So, here's my theory. Okay, you have golf now. If Fields falls to you, I really don't want to pass on Fields. I like Fields. But regardless, again, my opinion doesn't matter right now. You have golf for the next two years. You can take all defense if you want. Lord knows we need receivers because outside of actually no one. Do we have anyone currently on the roster that is like, Obligated to be on this team contract-wise past like next year or past this year? I don't think so. Anyway, you take whatever you want at seven, preferably probably defense, unless you're stuck on quarterback. Again, I keep rambling. It doesn't really matter. You take whatever you want this year. You focus on defense probably because it, it was one of the worst ever, but you take whatever you want. Jared Goff's your quarterback this year. Jared Goff is not good enough to ruin a tank or whatever you people want us to do. If you think he's too good, he's not. Jared Goff is not going to be the reason that we don't get like a top five pick. Okay, we 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 had a seventh overall pick with nine in this defense. Like you know what I mean. So calm down when it comes to that. Um, 
And on the flip side, Jared Goff is not going to go lead this team to a Super Bowl. Okay? Not going to happen. Um, so you take whatever you want. Goff starts the next two years. You take, Let's say you take defense. Awesome. You take defense at seven. Goff's your starter. You're still going to suck. The QB class next year, I'm not in love with. Let's say you don't take any there. Then the next year, QB class, again, we still got a lot of college football to be played from now until 2023. Um, QB class on paper currently looks a little bit better, though. So then you can take quarterback that year. Golf's guarantees money's gone. You can be your backup, or you can just straight up cut him. I don't really care. Okay. Or you take some chances on some guys at the top of the draft. You take positions of need, wide receiver and defense, and then you you know it's not as dire to take a QB anymore because you have one. So you can take one in the third, fourth, fifth round. Take a chance on a guy. If he sucks, who cares? You got your team needs that you actually needed to address at the top of the draft. So all these are flyers anyway. Take a chance on a QB from, from Ball State or whatever. I don't care. Sure, why not? The Cincinnati kid. Sure, in the next two years. Why not? Like, you can take the chance on some kids. Late. If they don't turn out, cool. They're golf's backups until you figure it out. If they do turn out, awesome. Now, after 2022, they'll have two years of being exper- of, of playing behind an NFL starter. Get their sea legs under them. You cut golf. Whatever. My point is, Jared Goff is part of this trade because you trade contracts, not players. Jared Goff is, I promise you, is not in the long-term plans for this team. They don't plan on extending him 10 years. Jared Goff is not going to be the quarterback when his contract runs out. And honestly, if I had to put money on it, I would say he probably is off the team before his contract even ends. At a bare minimum, he will not be starting by year four of, of his four years remaining. I truly don't believe that. I think people are way too caught up in the fact that Jared Goff's going to be behind center this year and that the Lions think he's actually good and that he's a replacement of Stafford. That's how I want to word this. He is not replacing nine. He's filling a hole that nine left. He's sure as hell not replacing him. I promise. I I don't want to get too ahead of myself and say some more stuff I regret, but I find it very hard to believe that this front office was like, yeah, man, Goff's the guy. He's going to be the future QB of this team. Even if we somehow, some way, find a way to, to, to pick up our straps and be competitive in the next two years, which I don't really see happening, but let's just, let's just have some fun. Let's say that this team fights for a wild card spot in the next two years, okay? Unless Jared Goff is winning playoff games, I still don't think I still don't think that they're gonna look at him and be like, damn, he's our QB of the future. Jared Goff, we, we know what he is at this point in his career. We all know what Jared Goff is. We all know the type of player he is. Yes, he's still 26. No, I don't think he's gonna get substantially better at it at this point. We know what Goff is. I I have faith that this front office knows what Goff is. I don't see a world where Jared Goff is the long-term plan at QB for this team. At worst, he's going to be your starter the next four years, and that's probably it. I really don't see it. And and so that's my point. It's just don't, don't freak out about Goff being the quarterback. It's not that big of a deal. It's really not. The rebuild's still in full effect. They're doing clearly based on the fact that we got two first-rounders for the best QB in our franchise's history the rebuild is still very much in full effect this defense is still one of the worst things i've ever seen i promise okay i promise jared goff is not in the long-term plans uh but he's gonna fill a need that we have a hole in for at least the next two years okay that's all okay i think that's all i wanted to talk about with the lions and stafford obviously i wish him nothing but the best People are like, oh, it'd be, you know, it's more beneficial if the Rams suck because our pick will get better. I can't do it. I can't, I can't not root for nine. I want him to win a playoff game so badly. Can't do it, man. Can't do it. Uh, that being said, I'm not going to tell anybody how to be a fan. So if that's how you want to do it, go for it. Uh, but I just, I can't do it, man. I can't. I wish I could. 
I wish I could, but it's nine. It's Matty Ice. The real Matty Ice. Um, that's it for the Lions. So that is it for this episode. Again, thank you so much for the outpour of support. Outpour? Outcry? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Some English word. The, the insane amount of support I've got from episode one. It is amazing. I am so happy with how it turned out. It makes me happy knowing that that I have the support to 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 do this, um, and everybody that's been reaching out and stuff and supporting has been it's been a a, a, a dream come true. So I am I thank you so much. I'm so happy. Um, we're on everything. Actually, while I was recording, I kid you not, I got the email saying that Apple finally approved it after like four days. So we are on Apple Podcasts. And this is all, if you go to at Bentley Scotty on Twitter, you will find a link to all of these, depending, no matter what source you use. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on YouTube. And YouTube, you can actually watch me. You can see my beautiful face talk in front of a microphone in my living room. Um... We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube, we're on Podbean is obviously the main source, that's our RRS feed, um, and then we're on Spotify, We are the only one we're still waiting to uh, to get on is Google Podcasts, for our Android users that don't have Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Anyway, that's the only one we're still waiting on, besides that we're on everything else, and a link to all of them will be in uh, on my Twitter page. So... Thank you so much. Uh, I'll be back Wednesday with some more stuff to break down. Um, Going to be hard to top, hard to top, uh, hard to top the the Stafford trade episode. But this was fantastic. This is a load of fun. I'm so happy I get to do this. Thank you so much, and go Detroit sports.